0: Well, you guys, you see that I have a sweater on here that I'm colorblind. Uh, I can't tell between green and brown sometimes. It's kind of fuzzy. But my wife tells me this is green. And so I'm wearing my green sweater today because we celebrated St. Patrick's Day a couple days ago. I don't know if you know. Uh, St. Patrick's Day all around the world. And so the Sunday close enough to St. Patrick's Day for us at Branches, brand-new tradition, just started today, is... (laughs) St. Patrick's Sunday, yeah, right? Welcome to St. Patrick's Sunday, so glad you're here. Uh, Man, St. Patrick was actually so, so cool. One of the powerful things about St. Patrick, you might know some of his story, let me just give you like a one minute recap. What happened to St. Patrick was, he's a teenager. He's working in a field in England or something somewhere, and he gets captured. He gets captured and abducted, child abduction, And he gets stolen away to Ireland to be a slave in Ireland. And so he's there, he's a prisoner in Ireland as a a young person, formative years. He's working as a slave for about seven years or so. And all of a sudden, God provides this escape plan for him. Some boat comes in the middle of the night. He's able to run out, get on a boat, and get back to England. He escapes his captors, he's back to England. Everyone's happy to see him. He's glad to be back. He's grateful to not be in captivity as a slave anymore. And as he's there in England, he's going to sleep, and he's pondering his past there in Ireland. And he's thinking to himself, as God's starting to grip his heart for sharing God's love for people, he's starting to remember, man, when I was in Ireland, when I was a slave, uh, those people didn't know about God's love. They had never heard the story of Jesus they didn't know about the Bible. They didn't know Jesus died on a cross for them. They didn't know about God's incredible grace and love in their lives. And he's like, and you know what? Who's going to go tell them? I, I guess I should do it. I guess I should be the one because I was there. I mean, I kind of know my way around. Um, and I'm just going to go back. I'm going to voluntarily go back to my captors and be like, hey, guys, I'm back now. Um, I escaped illegally from you. Remember that? Um, And I know you're really mad about that, but here I am, and I want to tell you about God's love. I'm going to tell you about Jesus and what he did for you. Miraculously, he's not murdered on first sight. Miraculously, he's not recaptured on first sight. Somehow, God accompanies him in these supernatural ways to walk freely around the island of Ireland where he was a captive, Captured slave, and, and tell people about Jesus. And God starts meeting him in these miraculous ways, and people start realizing he's telling the truth, that this Jesus, that this grace of God is real. And people start putting their trust in Jesus all over the place. The whole island is changed and transformed, and he becomes the patron saint, of the most loved guy of Ireland, um, because he shares God's love with people that have never heard it before. He took great risks great personal sacrifice to do this. I mean, the courage is like you can't imagine. I can't imagine it. But what's even incredible about St. Patrick is that his story has inspired so many others. Today, there are hundreds of people, missionaries, who sacrifice so much to go out and share God's love to people who've never heard it before, who risk great, incredible personal security and safety, and they go and they share God's love to people in the most remote places. We call them unreached people groups all around the world who've never heard about Jesus, who never heard the Bible, never heard about the cross, about Easter, about resurrection, about the hope that this invitation stirs up for us, an invitation with God because of his love. So uh, one thing about St. Patrick's Sunday here at Branches is we remember people who are serving around the world in, in, in honor of St. Patrick, who are taking that that mantle, that vision, to share God's love to places that have never heard it before. And so we want to pray for those people around the world today. We want to imagine them, we wanna um, lift them up to God, that God would protect them, keep them safe, that their message would be effective, and that, that, that people who've never heard about God's love would open their hearts to God's love and respond and get to experience it. But more than just imagining a person, you know, thinking of who who could that look what would that look like? We have a very special guest with us. Uh, a a lady who her and her husband decided years ago to do that very thing to go to the most remotest place to share God's love with people that have never heard it to risk it all for God and so I'm so excited uh, to welcome uh, but but we have a video first and it's it's a a little video that's going to set this story up okay can we can we show our video and see if it works here we go
1: My husband uh, is a missionary and a humanitarian aid worker in Niger. He did a lot of things. Um, dug wells, started schools, uh, land regeneration, everything possible to help the people in the north of Niger to build a better life. Uh, My husband was captured by uh, jihadis from Mali. He lived in Niger at the time and uh, the jihadis came by his house. Um, two people jumped out and shot down his guards. As my husband was trying to run away after he heard the shot, they they knocked him down and took him to Mali. Well, as you can see, today is day one of the seventh year of Jeff's captivity. Yesterday was the anniversary six years in captivity by jihadis in Mali
2: time have you had any
1: communication with Jeff? No, not directly with Jeff. We've had a couple of times some communications from the jihadis, but never, never been able to talk to Jeff. We always assume that he is alive, because we always assume that if he would have died, somehow the news would have gotten out. I got this photo through a a third party about uh, a year and a half ago. This is a photo of Jeff in captivity. It's it's shocking, obviously, very emotional. Uh, At first I think, oh my, he looks, you know, so very, very happy. But at the same time, he, he looks okay. I mean, he looks healthy, he doesn't look emaciated, so obviously he's been fed and taken care of, so that is hopeful. I know that he's not suffering physically, but you can tell that he's suffering, you know, emotionally and spiritually very, very much. The Bring Our Family Home campaign has been very encouraging for me, although initially I was a little hesitant to become part of it because most of their family members, they are detained by governments and Jeff is not. Jeff is held captive by a terrorist group. Just to see that so many people have been released, just recently, people from this war, it shows that uh, the government has stepped it up and this group, uh, Bring Our Family Home, has really uh, done a great work. It gives hope. Um, I'm happy for the people that uh, have been released and for the family members, and uh, it gives hope that all of us one day will experience that happiness.
0: Well, it is a huge honor and privilege to pray for and support and encourage Else Woodkey, and she's here with us to share a bit, just some background, some, some of her heart. And so let's welcome Else. Could we, could we do that? Where, where is she? Hey. Yeah. You, yeah. Step on up there. Else Woodkey, everyone. I know, it's really bright. You just got to imagine that they're out there and they're <laughs> loving you and caring for you. Um, you can use your mic because I have this mic here. Um, tell us, I was thinking else, this, this video we watched does share a lot of the story about just the situation and all that's occurred, but maybe give us some background a little bit. What inspired you from the very beginning, you and Jeff, to, to want to take these kind of steps to share God's love with people?
1: Yeah, so... Um,
0: Come on, this way into the light. There you go, there you go, yeah.
1: Jeff and I, we have a, a different beginning. Jeff, um, as soon as he became a Christian, he became a Christian by taking communion one day at church, and he said before he was out of the church, he knew he was going to be a missionary. So he was like like Paul, conversion missionary. He had his call on his life, and he set the course to, to, uh, to become that. Um, for me, it, it was a little different. Um, when I met Jeff, I was uh, working in kind of a halfway, ha- halfway house with YWAM in Amsterdam. And I met Jeff, and I thought, wow, he shared his vision, and, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. I'm gonna pray for this guy. And um, so then, you know, through that, we started corresponding, and Jeff came back, and he said, I-, I feel that God has a life for us together, but you cannot come on my call. You need your own call. So, <laughs> so, I prayed, and the Lord gave me a word, and it, it's in 2 Corinthians 8, and it says, uh, Paul talks about Titus, and uh, he said, you know, praise God that God has given in the heart of Titus the same concern for you, and even more, from his own desire, he's, he wants to come to you, and he's excited about it. And that's the word the Lord gave me. And it, and it wasn't like, oh, you know, um, I am so burdened for these people. Mm. It was like the Lord said, it's okay. It's okay, you know, this is, it's good enough. You know, a secondhand call is good enough. Mm. So, <laughs> nice. yeah, so, uh, yeah, so mm. that's how we ended up wow. in Niger.
0: Yeah, and how long were you together in Niger before Jeff was captured and you, kind of, you started to spend more time stateside. And maybe share with us a story or so of, you know, you guys really cared for people in practical ways. One of our themes this morning is the care of people in, in practical ways. And so maybe how did that look for you? And do you have a story or something neat about one of your favorite ways of serving others?
1: Yeah, so, of course, you know, what to choose. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, one of the things uh, that I did personally, I did literacy. So I have to say, you know, we ministered to two people groups, the Tawareks and the Wodabi people. And the Tawareks, we reached out to them. The Wodabi people, they came to us. Mm. And um, I, I did literacy with a couple of families. And um, one of the families was the family of Tumbi and Philly and and all their kids. And they came um, and wanted to learn to read. And it it was an opening for them into the larger world. And I can really see that God opened their hearts through that to want to learn other things. Well, the other thing that we offered was Bible. I did a literacy, and Jeff did a Bible. And, and through that ministry, um, they came to know the Lord. They wanted to follow Jesus. So they were baptized uh, in our, in our you know, inner tub, just like you're going to have uh, at
2: yeah. Easter.
1: And awesome. um, they were economical refugees from the Abalak area, and we helped them uh, move back to where they came from. And mm. we, we set them up with cows and build a well. And um, and they became like the start, really, of a movement of God. Mm. They started ministering to their people, and that movement is still going. So Yeah,
0: that's so that's cool. Crazy. So cool. I wonder, you know, as we hear about just capture and captivity and just the difficulty of that, and, I mean, so many of us, we can't imagine that kind of grief, that kind of loss, that kind of uncertainty with God and the world. And um, can you speak to a little bit about how you've been able to process that with God? I mean, what's that like for you? And um, how are you doing?
1: I'm actually doing really good. Um, I never believed that Jeff was kidnapped by God. Right. (laughs) So I never see this as, god's great plan for our lives this was an evil that was perpetrated on jeff and on our family so that has helped me to always stay in faith Mm. so uh, that's the story in short yeah that's
0: (laughs) yeah amazing we want to we want to pray for you we know that there's ongoing work that you're doing of course still to bring Jeff home, there's so many organizations working together on this, and, and you continue to share God's love, share the story of reaching others, even in the midst of this difficulty. How can we be praying for you as a community? How can we be helpful, supportive to you?
1: Yeah, I, as you saw, you know, this video, I speak with a lot of people. Like last week, I had a 45-minute Zoom call with our Secretary of State. Mm. And, you know, I, I speak with all these people. And I need to, um, I need to know what I'm saying. I need wisdom. Mm. So that's one of the things I need wisdom. So for me, for wisdom, and also for moral courage, because it's easy to want to do whatever to get Jeff free. And and when I first started out on this journey, I, I did, you know, when the when the. Uh, the demand for a ransom came, I I really felt like this is okay. You know, I can do this. You know, God is okay with it. And I I still feel that God was okay with it. And it was permissible, but it was not the best. Mm -hmm. And so later on in the journey, I started to realize that I have to seek the kingdom of God first. I always have to place God and his kingdom over Jeff. And that is a struggle because you know, different things seem okay, perhaps, to the government, or seem okay to people that are helping me, Mm. but they are not God's highest goal, so moral courage is is what I need, really, to make the right decisions.
0: Okay, yeah, we will definitely be praying for you, and we have some cards you can take. I think Heidi was working on them, and There's a lot going on this morning, but I think they're available in the back. These With Jeff's picture, some prayer points you can take with you. Continue to pray for them. I want to ask Steve Taylor, one of our leaders, to come and pray. Steve and his wife Lori helped in the work in Niger and and knew Steve and knew you and Jeff for many years. And so I thought it would be neat for for Steve to come and pray for you um, as we all kind of join together and and pray for else.
1: Can I share something else? Yes, please. Just like a word for your church. Yes, please not a word it's just i want i shared a little bit how to came to us and i i just want you as a new church you know to hear how that came about and, and steve was part of that mm. you know it's it's kind of based on on acts 13 i think where the church in Antioch, they were praying and ministering to the Lord together and uh, and fasting. And it was at that moment that God spoke to the church, separate me now, uh, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have called them to. Now, Paul and Barnabas already had the call, but that was the moment where the call came to the church. And I just want to encourage you as a church, you know, to, to accept the call together. Because that's, mm. you know, what AFBC did. Yeah. They came together as a whole church and they prayed together and they fasted together. And they said, Lord, where should we go? Mm. So it was not an individual that said, where should I go? It was the church that said, where should we go? And, and God answered And he said, I want you as a church to go to the Wadabi people. And, you know, the Wadabi people, they lived where we had already worked for like 11 years. They never came to us. The moment that the church decided that, Mm. we came back and the Wadabi people started knocking on our door. Mm. We didn't have to look for them. And I Mm. just want to share how powerful it is when you as a church come together and all together pray, Lord, we as a church, where do you want us to go?
0: I love it. Uh, so good. Thank you, Els. All right, Steve, would you lead us in a moment of prayer here?
2: Hallelujah, God! It is a it is a great honor, really. I shouldn't be the one crying up here, but. Uh, Lord, you know, it is your glory that we seek to uphold and to to truly lift up. It is your glory that we so desire to see established in the lost and unreached peoples. Your glory within our our own lives and within the church. and, And... being so attached, God, to to Else and Jeff and their family uh, makes it very personal, but her heart, is we all hear, is, is really for you, God, to be glorified. And, and so that's our desire as well. I do pray specifically for that moral strength and courage. I pray for wisdom and knowledge for Else and, and for us, God, as we seek to live a life that that truly represents you in a reasonable and a powerful way. God, we thank you for Patrick, who uh, is an example for us to to reach a whole nation. And God, as I, I just think back of a, a time in the bush in Niger and laying out in the sand and and it's night has fallen and Jeff is over with the leaders of the the tribe, the, the clan and they're talking. I have no idea what they're saying except every once in a while, Jesus, Jesus the name of Jesus is being talked about brought up and I realize that this under the stars, this is this is the church. This is the the new church that is being born right here in the desert in the Sahel desert. And and it was so overwhelming at the time and now so many years later in Jeff's absence in our daily prayers for him for his care and his provisions the church is there. It's it's happening. It's it's self-perpetuating. It's it's being led and driven and, and grown by, uh, by their own tribesmen, by their own clansmen. It's, it's overwhelming, God, to see it in that perspective. And, and yet, here we are with a great need, a very personal need that we want to lift up to you. And we do regularly, God. But we have faith. It's, this is not a, a prayer of desperation, of failure. It's faith that, God, in your patience, you are going to work. And through that, you're working in our lives, you're working in the lives of so many thousands throughout the world. And so we give you glory, God. And we pray our lives will glorify you. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: You guys, let's thank Else for being with us. Thank you. <clears throat> Yeah, such a powerful example of, of stepping out in courage. And we're talking about these, these high five, these top values of, of a new church that we see Jesus model and we want to follow after. And, and today that theme is the care of Jesus. Jesus cared for people. He had empathy and compassion for people. And there's so many stories about Jesus where it says, and then he had compassion for them, you know, where he really cared. And he cared for everybody. Nobody was beyond his care or excluded from his care. And we want to be a church just like that, that cares for people and has compassion and empathy and even willing to take some risks to step out and say, how can we really help and make a difference? And I want to look at one quick story of Jesus, one example, one of my favorite examples of the way Jesus cared for others. And it's in Matthew. We've been looking at Matthew and these examples of Jesus through Matthew. And and this one is in Matthew 14. And it starts out in verse 15. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Now, the news that Jesus just heard was that one of his great friends, his companions, his partners, John the Baptist, who we've talked about already, was beheaded. John the Baptist is murdered. Jesus hears this news, and he's grieving. Jesus is sad, and he leaves in a boat to a remote area to be alone. You know, have you ever felt that? When things are, like, just falling apart around you, or you're you're, you're carrying this grief. You just want to be alone. And there's, that's what Jesus did. But it says the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And so, Jesus, even out of his grief, even out of his loss, even out of his desire to be alone, that we can relate to, his care for others is boundless. Like it's just limitless. You know, he, he cares for people, and there's thousands coming to, to follow him. And he doesn't turn them away and say, Ah, oh, you guys, I'm just going through a really hard time right now. You know, I'm going to need some time. No, he just, he turns and he, he cares for them. He loves on them. He heals their sick. And, and this happens all day long, all the way till evening. So verse 15 says, In the evening, the disciples who were with him, they came to Jesus and they said, You know, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. It's getting so late. The day is going so long. These people didn't bring food with them. They were just following Jesus. They're desperate to be with Jesus and get his healing. And so they don't have food, and they're hungry. You know, and once again, Jesus, I mean, he could be like, you know, eat later, you know? You don't need food, and, and uh, d- don't worry about it, you know? But, but then here's, here's what happens. Um, <clears throat> Jesus says, well, that isn't necessary to go to these towns. In, in fact, some scholars say most of the villages would have kind of been closing down by then. Kitchens would have been closing. People would be going to bed. It's not like they maybe even had a chance of getting a lot of food at that time. But Jesus says it's not necessary. Jesus says, you feed them, right? And, and the disciples... They're like, well, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, so they're like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Jesus, um, he just points to this amazing, this amazing picture that these people don't need to leave his presence to go find food because Jesus is able to provide everything that these people will need. Jesus is actually the one who, who opens his hand and meets the, the needs, the desires of everyone. In fact, Psalm 145 says it so beautifully about God. It says, when you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. That's the God that, that we're rallying around, that we're grateful for, who satisfies the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Not only is Jesus' care practical, uh, I'm sorry, isn't it? It's not just boundless and limitless, but it's it's practical. Jesus cares about their hunger, you know, their the fact that they're hungry. His care is holistic. He doesn't just heal their spiritual things or emotional things, but he, he meets their physical needs. God cares about the whole person. We want to be a community like that, that cares about the whole person, that cares about people, their whole, their whole person, you know, not just like be, be well and be fed and be blessed and we, here's the here's 50 cents and we leave. You know? It's like, no, how can we really care about people like Jesus did? Now, many of you might know how this story goes. These disciples, they've just got this little fish and this little bread and they're like, we're not going to feed these thousands of people. This is not going to happen. We don't have enough food. Uh, and so Jesus says in verse 18, well, bring them over here. Bring the fish. Bring these couple of, couple of pieces of bread. And then Jesus it says that he 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 told the people to sit down on the grass and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and blessed them and then breaking the loaves into pieces he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people and they all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers a, this little note on verse 21 says about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So scholars say about 10 to 15,000 people potentially on this hillside, all fed by two pieces of bread, these, these, these fish. Um, and the disciples, they didn't quite get God's boundless way of caring for people. They didn't get his resources that are limitless. They thought his resources were small. And they didn't quite know that this miracle had this lesson for them, that God can meet every need, that God's resources are, are boundless. They're, they're, they're limitless. He meets our need, and he's the one who can do it. You know, this, this picture on the hillside, well, I think it's kind of interesting, too, these disciples, they kind of doubted Jesus and they, they, they weren't sure this was going to happen. Well, each of them, it says there was 12 baskets of leftovers. So there's 12 disciples. So they're each holding a basket full of leftovers just to show, hey, Jesus can do this. And you're holding it right in your hand. This amazing power that Jesus has, the miraculous power he has to meet our needs. And, and this, this symbol, this scene on the hillside with all these people eating a meal, is, is really powerful. We talked about it a few weeks ago that eating a meal back then was not just an exchange of food, right? It's like an important time together. It's a, a sign of relationship, of connectedness. And that scene on the hillside is a picture of this new community that is forming together, connected to Jesus, being supported by Jesus, resourced by Jesus, and, and connecting together. It's a picture of Heaven, really. That, it's, that one day we're going to have this great feast, this wedding banquet, the Bible says, when all of us will be together and that we'll, we'll be able to receive directly from God all that we've ever dreamed of and that we'll all be together. Jesus points to this new community ahead. Jesus in John six thirty-five, says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the the gift that Jesus gives and meets. His care for us is eternal. It's not just here and now, it's forever and ever and ever. It will never run out. And for us the the motivation, the ability to be a community like this, a community that that cares about people even when we're inconvenienced by it, even when we're not in the mood, but we still care for people because God cares for us, a community that wants to, to, to care for people in practical ways, in holistic ways, and a community that wants to care for people, inviting them into the eternal family of God, that this care, this love of God is forever. We could be a community like that. And, and the way we do it is not through, like, obligation or duty or legalism, or I'm supposed to do this stuff because, you know, I'm going to somehow earn my way or get some kind of reward. That's not why we do it. We do it because God loved us first, that we receive this incredible love and this care of God right in our own heart, and we go, man, I got to share this. I just got to share this with others. It's motivated by God loving us first. Psalm 103 just has a beautiful way, a poetic way of saying it. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. It says, you know, he doesn't punish us for all of our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And he's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a tender father to his children, tender and compassionate. This is this description of God's care and love for us. And we want to open our hearts to that and go, wow, okay, God loves me. I can can extend that love to others. But you got to wonder, as you're sitting in these seats this morning, you got to wonder, there might be some of us here, and you might be one, that is thinking to yourself, I don't experience the care of God. Like, Like you're saying in this psalm, like, well, God's amazing, and he loves, and he's compassionate, and he loves us. But what if you don't feel God's care in your life. In fact, what if you look at the circumstances in your life right now, the difficulties, the challenges, the roadblocks, the the uh, distance from loved ones, the, the wondering, the confusion, the questions in your life, and you say, Where's God in this? Like, how could God's care be in my life? Because things are going poorly or things are super difficult. What do I do with that? In fact, Elsa's story is so powerful because she says she doesn't believe God caused her husband to be captured and kidnapped. He didn't cause that, but somehow in his infinite wisdom, somehow he allowed this thing to happen. And in our lives too, for some reason, God allows these difficulties in our life to to shape us, to grow us. He uses every trial, every challenge to draw us closer to himself. And and we see his care in it. In fact, Psalm 34 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He sees you. He knows everything that you're wrestling with and going through. He knows it. I'm so grateful for people like else who've walked ahead of us that stony path of wondering and mystery and confusion. And they found God's comfort and care right in the middle of it. I'm grateful for people that that go ahead of us. In fact, most of the Bible, this New Testament, this last little part, it's letters to, to churches encouraging them in the ways of God. And it's written by a guy named Paul. And most of it is written in prison. Paul is a prisoner. He's in chains. And he's still writing this stuff. He's still telling people about how amazing God is in the midst of his own challenge. One of my favorite books is Philippians. It's a book of joy written from a guy in prison. In the message paraphrase, he says, through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, everything God wants to do in and through me will be done. He says, I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live Or die. They didn't shut me up, they gave me a platform. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. This is Paul, just like all exuberant and filled with faith, that that painting this picture for us that when our lives are challenging, when we're faced with confusion and questions, that when we, we realize God cares for us no matter what, he leads us through challenges, but he cares for us in the midst of it, we can't lose. We can't lose when we trust in him. And, and even when it's challenging. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of following God when it's challenging. Jesus cared. Uh, he put his life in the care and the trust of his father. Jesus lived this life in our place. Jesus went to the cross as he was beginning, the eve of his capture and torture and imprisonment and, and death, he prays to God and he says, God, is there any way you could take this away from me? That would be cool if there's another way. But his famous line is, but not my will, but yours be done. He trusts the care of the Father. And he, he steps into this punishment this, this, um, uh, th- that we deserve that we deserve because we could never measure up to God's goodness and his holiness but Jesus steps in in our place that he's he's tortured he's killed on a cross and then he trusts the care of his father that in three days he's going to rise again that he's going to beat death once and for all and sure enough it happens and he hands us this extension of grace this welcome to find our home with God to this relationship with God, not based on what we could do or muster up or be good enough or be caring enough, but based on what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, who trusted the care of his Father perfectly and steps in our place to give us this grace, this this, uh, compassion uh, that he has for us. His compassion, it's boundless. His care is is practical, it's holistic, and it's eternal. It lasts forever. And it, it ropes us all into this grand story I can't think of a, a a church that I would be a part of that, in, in, that exemplified that more than, than this kind of a church right here to say, we want to be a caring church that loves people, that has empathy and care for people, even in our own challenges that we trust God with it. You know... Um, we thought we could do a practical way. We could practice this. How could we practice empathy? How could we grow in caring for others? Then I'm, I'm hanging out with my new friend, Quinn, and we're having a coffee, you know, and we're just chatting, and um, he's saying um, that he's, he sees people on the street and he sees folks experiencing homelessness and they, people in great need, and he's like, we got to do something. Justin, why aren't, why aren't we doing stuff? And I'm like, I know, I know. We, should, we need to do stuff. And he's like, I got this vision. What if we... What if we, and I thought this is so cool that I think we should do this. In fact, I want Quinn, I talked to Quinn to coming up here and telling us about it and getting the ball rolling for us. We're doing a thing called Compassion Saturday, this Saturday, six days from now, uh, where we're gonna practice this. We're gonna practice caring for others. So, you guys, where's Quinn? Is he, you guys, would you give it up for Quinn right here? He's gonna, come on up. How are we doing? Oh, man. So cool, Quinn. All right. So tell us, how do you get this vision? Here's a microphone. Stand right into the light. How'd you? Yeah. How did you get this vision? And you get it in 45 seconds because okay, we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, just coming up here, visiting my family, my sister, my my brother, my my mom. Uh, it's hard to to go through this area, this where we live, without seeing it. And um, just riding my bike, I just just being observing I just saw these people and it just kind of hurt my heart and uh there's a lot of yeah it's just I was told this you got to do something you know I'm looking at this person who's a, a brother in Christ he's a human being and I'm looking at him he's just not in a good place and that might be from his own actions and his the path that he chose in life but regardless my heart hurts that that he's there and that there's things that he deserves more than that and he deserves love and compassion and and peace that we we believe here and that Jesus gives to us that we can now accept and give with that open hand that, you know, the life that we receive. Yeah,
0: so cool. Now, one of the really cool things about you that a lot of people don't... Okay, so wait, so Saturday, we're doing this thing.
3: Right, Saturday. Yeah, so we have a, tables in the back with just some, some simple basic needs that, you know, we might take for, for granted, like pair of socks, water, snacks, toothbrush, toothpaste, just things that we have every day that you wouldn't think, like, oh, who needs this? But there's people that, you know... That that's a commodity to them, you know. They appreciate it. So we have some some bags that we plan on giving out on Saturday. Um, Eleven o'clock. Yeah, we're gonna
0: meet here right here at the vet's hall at 11 a.m. on Saturday. We'll finish up right after this service. You're welcome to stay and help put some bags together. We put all the supplies for you guys, so you can kind of do that. Invite the kids in. We have family atmosphere here. We've got this place rented for. Uh, time afterwards, so no, no need to rush off right away. We can do these bags, but we'll have more bags to do on Saturday at 11. Our goal is 100 care bags. Yeah, well, yeah that'd be that's, huge, that's right? The, that's the goal. That's the goal. And so we're gonna meet here at 11, and then we're gonna get into our cars. We're gonna we're gonna pray. We're gonna make a strategy together, and we're gonna go to different places around Humboldt County where we feel God leading us and deliver it to pass these bags out. Just plan. Just say like, bless you and care about you. Yeah, just
3: just making the people. F- feel seen, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't, you walk past them, you don't need to look at them, because they're everywhere, you know, I don't have time, but just making them feel seen, and feel loved, and just, hey, I see you as a human being, and as a brother in Christ, and as a, as a child of God, like, I see you, and they might, you know, that, that's all we can do, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So.
0: And I loved your idea about writing these verses. Mm. So we've got some, some scripture verses on these back tables and we thought handwritten would be so powerful. If you would write a handwritten version of these verse, you can pick a verse. Or if you have another verse in your mind and your heart, you can write it and maybe a little note to them. And we'll put these, these cards in the bags. And,
3: yeah. Little thing, just yeah. another thing, you know, that make them feel seen. Like, oh, someone took the time to write this and then it's not just their words, but it's the word of God that you know, there's there's a few choices, but if you have any scripture that you like, oh, I want to share this with someone, feel free to write it down. There's some options back there for you to pick through and choose encouraging scripture, I guess. Yeah.
0: Now, okay, I, I know this isn't like the total rad perfect setting for this, but one of the things that Quinn shared with me was a bit of spoken word. He's a, he's a poet, you guys. He's a street poet, and uh, it's some cool, urban, hip, cool stuff, and you guys, it's inspiring. It's Way cooler than me. Like, I'm an old guy. This guy's cool. And so he's going to, would you, would you just drop us a few bars <laughs> <laughs> right now?
3: Yeah. You guys, come on. Here it is. Yeah. The inspiration, so, right? <laughs> just biking through the city, I, I uh, yeah, this is, I, I just pulled over and, and wrote this all down real quick, and uh, this, this is what it is. I think a screw popped loose in my head, because I've been looking at my kin on the streets with their face on the pavement, no pillow, no sheets when they sleep. It's such a tragic scene and that ain't right with me. It ain't right in my head or my heart, so I speak from the spirit inside of these bars. For the ones with no car, just a tent on the curb and it's cold on this earth. I bike through the city and observe all the hurt, but I trust in the truth that the last will be first. But God help me, where's the church? Who's your master and who you serve? Cause start to finish, we all come from dirt. And where's your soul? It must swerve when you act like you don't know. I guess that's how it goes. Mm. Yes, yes,
0: so cool, amazing, you guys give it up for Quinn one more time, so amazing, so amazing, so we're going to, I'm going to invite the band back real quick, we're going to, just a couple of songs, I know we're running a little late, we typically wrap up here in like three minutes, but if you guys don't mind, if you're able to stay five, six minutes maybe, um, we got a couple of songs. We just want to kind of take some time to process what you're hearing this morning to ponder this in prayer with God. Um, we want to invite you to maybe you want to even head back to a table. You might want to start writing some scripture words on these cards. You may want to pray with someone. Heidi and Els and, and others are going to, Steve, they're, they're going to be available in the back as well. Maybe you are holding a difficult situation right now in your life that you're like, God, I need to feel your care and your comfort in my life. So we want to invite you to go and even pop out of your seat and and go just pray with someone. We want to make that available to you as well. In fact, I want to just invite you to stand right where you are, if you would, as we just kind of respond to God, as we open our heart to Him, see what He would speak to us uh, this morning.